be in uh, Mark chapter 11 tonight, and um, Mark chapter 11. We did not have kids zone tonight. One reason because of vacation Bible school. The other reason is Pastor Gill is taking care of all the games for the color clash. And so he was tied up tonight. And uh, I just told him not to worry about kids zone this evening. And uh, they've had a great turnout in color clash every night. It's been, it's been good. Uh, preaching's been good. And I appreciate Brother Jonathan Dumas helping us out. I, I want to read this to you. Okay, this is uh, something that I uh, had uh, uh, an illustration I I heard some time ago, and uh, one of our church members sent it to me uh, one uh, one night, and uh, I I wanted to read it to you this evening, concerning the power of prayer. And uh, it says, A Baptist church was opposed to a bar that was being constructed in their town. So they decided to have an all-night prayer meeting to pray against the opening of the bar. Not long after their prayer meeting broke up, lightning struck the bar that was under construction and consumed it in fire. Well, the bar owner was furious, and he launched a lawsuit against the church, claiming that they were responsible. The church turned around and hired an attorney, claiming they had no responsibility whatsoever for the loss of the bar. The judge presiding over the case said, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but one thing is clear. The bar owner believes in the power of prayer and the church does not. Take ownership for it, man, right? You pray for it, God does it, praise the Lord for it. Amen. Don't try to get out of it. Give the glory to God. Mark chapter 11, okay? Uh, We're going to look at this tonight. You know, a lot of people, and maybe some of you tonight have this problem, a lot of people today struggle with feeling hopelessness, with just a feeling of hopelessness. Um, They struggle with a constant reminder of a personal weakness that they may have. And uh, there is, then a lot of people, uh, they, they have strong feelings of anxiety because there is this looming fear of failure or something bad is about to happen. Um, I will testify to you, you know, everybody has these certain triggers. One for me used to be, and I've learned how to deal with this quite a bit, one for me was my cell phone. And I, I got to the point, I am not on, thank you. Now they're back here dancing at me. Can y'all hear me now? All right, because i got to move. i got to get away from the pulpit. So you, you would hear that cell phone go off, and my ear was so tuned into that cell phone that I could have it on silent and be on the other end of the house, but I could hear it. It didn't have to ding. I just could hear it. And it would be like, oh, what's wrong now? You know, what, what is it? What, what's the deal? And it became a a trigger, and there was this looming cloud that was, what is about to happen? What is is someone about to say, or what's going? A lot of people struggle with such things, and 
And so it, it, it is difficult. And then you get to a point where some things just seem to be way too big for any of us, right? And really, you do not want to live in the shadow of something that is enormous and it's about, it looks like it's going to crush you at all the time and you're trying to live your life, but that is always there and you're living in the shadow of it. Well, do you know that Jesus deals with that here in Mark chapter 11? Uh, because Jesus gives us some instructions of how he wants us to live. And you'll have to forgive me, I just looked up at my bright shining lights and I'm seeing spots at the moment. Ver verse 22, And Jesus answering saith unto them, say those words with me, Have faith in God. Let's say that again. Have faith in God. He goes on, he says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. My goodness, those are some powerful words. Powerful words. I want to talk to you tonight about when mountains need moving. When mountains need moving. Let's look down here in verse, uh, verse 22. Let's, let's break it all down. All right? Verse 22. He says, Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Well, if you're like me, it helps to have some confidence in yourself and what you're doing. If you're about to take something on, the last thing you want to do is stand behind this pulpit and not know what you're about to say. You don't want that. That is, that is a scary thing. You, you want to know uh, some direction of where you're going with things. So, you know, it helps us to have confidence in ourself in what we're doing, it is better for our self-esteem, right? It makes us feel better about ourselves. But Jesus teaches us to place all our confidence in God rather than anyone or anything else. He says, have faith in what? God. Not in yourself, not in, not in someone else, not in Pastor Ricky. Have faith in God. Now, he goes on, verse 23. He says, for verily I say unto you. That's an old English word, verily. It means truly, all right? It means truly. So whenever Jesus uses that word, we're in Mark chapter 11, guys, verse 23. Whenever Jesus uses that word verily, it means that he is about to say something that may be difficult for us to believe. But he's saying verily, because whether we believe it or not, it's still true. Right? It's going to be hard for you to take, but he's saying it's the truth. Now, notice what else he says. For verily I say unto you that whosoever, I love the whosoever phrases in the Bible. Because it means who? It means anyone. And so when it says whosoever, I might not be standing in that place when Jesus Christ stated these words physically. But because he says whosoever, he's offering the same promise to us because we're included in that. Now, he says that whosoever shall, verse 23, shall say unto this mountain. 
He is specifically naming what we are praying about. It is a mountain that stands before us and seems immovable. But in faith, Jesus tells us to ask for it to be taken out of our way. Notice he says, be thou removed. When I was a little boy, the first house that I remember, my first memories, wasn't the first house we lived in, but the first house that I remember was on Stag Run down off Pulaski Pike in uh, northwest Huntsville. Uh, matter of fact, if you were in that part of the uh, area today, it would be um, uh, May Jemison High School is directly across the street. And uh, we lived on that road, uh, uh, Stag Run, that was the name of it. And um, we were, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, that's where it was. We lived, we lived at the foot of a mountain. There was this big mountain. And uh, that, that, that mountain, they have been doing this for years. They have been taking the rock off that mountain. And that mountain has been getting shorter and shorter and shorter. But now I'm 48 years old and that mountain isn't halfway gone. That mountain is still there. I remember living at the foot of that, that big old mountain, and when you're four or five years old, we moved away from there when I was five, so I remember playing and riding my big wheel at the foot of this big mountain that they had been trying to remove for all of these years. Well, Jesus is saying, you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. And then he says, notice, he says, and be thou cast into the sea. So he's saying, don't, don't move it to the side for us to look at it. Or we have to be aware of it. We always got to go around it. He's saying, and specifically, he tells us to ask for it to be gone forever. This cast into the sea, it's gone for good. We, we, we may know it's out there and buried, but we don't have to deal with it anymore. And then he says, and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe. He's telling us to believe. Don't doubt in your heart. Believe with all your heart, okay? You're asking the Lord to do this. Believe in your heart. As Jesus said elsewhere, all things are possible to him that does what? Believeth. All things are possible to him that believeth. So the victory comes from our faith in what God can do. Then he says in verse 23 that those things which he saith shall come to pass. What does that mean? It's as good as done. All right? So I'm trusting the Lord when I'm bringing this up. So when you read that verse, let's, let's read it again, okay? And then I got a question for you. Verse 22 and verse 23. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Underline those verses, okay? Then he says in verse 23, for verily I saith unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now when you read those two verses, how do you feel about them? I mean, you read those verses, and it's going it's to cause you to have a certain attitude toward those verses. Some are going to read that verse. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed. Some are going to say, I, I, I can't believe that. 
I, I cannot believe that I can pray for God to remove a mountain and it be done. All right? Now, if I say that, I got to be one arrogant dude. Right? Because if I say that, who said those words? Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. If I say I don't believe that, then I am saying, Jesus, you are a liar. Hello? Where, where are those words recorded? They're recorded in the most reliable book ever written. They are recorded in the Bible. So, you can look at that, and you can say, well, I don't believe it. Jesus said it, I don't believe it. Well, you're a pretty arrogant fellow. Peter tried that. You know Peter tried that? It didn't turn out so well for him. I, I, I'll let you read it. Mark chapter 8, you're in 11. Go back to chapter 8. Let's read verse 31 together. And he, Mark, uh, Mark 8, verse 31, he is Jesus Christ. He began to teach them, his disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed. What's he referring to? He's talking about he's about to, he's about to die on the cross, right? Everybody got that? Jesus is teaching them the time has come, the Son of Man, who is Christ, is about to be killed. And then he says, and after three days, he'll do what? Rise again. Correct? There's the gospel. Death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. And he spake that saying openly, so everybody heard it. And Peter took him and began to what? What's it say? Rebuke him. Could you imagine, James, putting your finger in Jesus' face and saying, you shouldn't be saying those things. That is not true. Imagine having, you got to be some arrogant fella or you just aren't thinking before you talk. You know good and well, we both do the same thing. We don't always take God's word for, by faith. We'll question it. Look what, look what Jesus, verse 33. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Jesus is saying, Peter, your problem is you're more interested in your will being done than God's will being done. And that is a satanic way of thinking. And he's saying, Get behind me, Satan. Because you are rebuking the Son of God and rebuking the Word of God. And you are denying it. Openly. Openly. And Jesus says, get, get behind me. Right? Peter rebuked the Lord. Peter's saying, I don't believe it. It's not true. Didn't work out so well. I want you to hear this thought. It doesn't require faith. For God's word to be true. Okay? 
It doesn't require faith for God's word to be true. Just because you don't believe it don't mean it's true. All right? God's not dependent upon your faith that whether or not he's right or not. Doesn't require faith for God's word to be true. It is because it is true that we can ever have faith at all. The only reason we can have faith is because this is truth. It's the only reason. So, some say, well, I, I look at that verse in Mark 11, and Jesus is saying that whosoever, because they have faith in God, shall say this mountain be removed and be cast in the sea. And Matthew chapter 7, it's, Jesus is talking about you just got to have the faith of the grain of the mustard seed. It doesn't have to be a whole lot of faith or great faith. You just got to believe. Some say, I can't believe that. Don't mean it's not true. Well, maybe you look at it and you say, well, I can't understand it. I, I, I don't understand it. Well, that's all right. But do you realize that oftentimes the most critical and cynical people are those who participate so little themselves? And I've noticed over the years that those who are all in are not as critical and cynical. But they're the ones who are most likely to show grace to others who don't have the same faith. You see, it's okay to not understand something. But what we do about it is what is important. Because some people may say, I don't understand it, therefore I, I can't do it. I'm going to do nothing. I, can't, I, I, I don't understand it, so I can't believe it. I'm going to do nothing with it. Well, good luck with that. Uh, even when I'm thinking about this, I had a high school basketball coach. You've probably heard me say this before. And what he said still rings in my ears. And Miss Denise, it was the worst English that you could possibly imagine. But he would often tell us when practices got really hard, and they were really, really hard. He would say, can't, never did anything. You can say, I can't. But when you say, I can't, you never accomplish anything, and you lose simply out of forfeiture. You say, well, I can't, so I'm not even going to show up. We can't beat these guys, so we're not even going to play the game. Well, you lost. You didn't put forth any effort. And you lost. You got a big L. Right? They're bigger than me. Okay. Well, you can say, well, I don't, I don't understand that. And you can simply say, well, I can't. And the result is going to be very little growth or accomplishment when we only attempt to do things that we understand. But the successful person would rather say, I don't understand but I can try and learn. Because one who does nothing is guaranteed to fail, but the other will succeed for no other reason than the fact that he tried. I'll give you an example. Thomas Edison tried 2,000 different materials in search of a filament for the light bulb. And when none of them worked satisfactorily, his his assistant complained and whined 
all of our work is in vain. We have failed miserably. We have tried 2,000 times and done nothing but fail. But Edison very confidently replied, Oh, we have come a long way and we have learned a lot. We now know that there are 2,000 elements which we cannot use to make a good light bulb. He saw the fact, he, he could have said, well, we don't know how to do it, so we're not even going to try. Well, guess what? We'd all be living in darkness right now, right? But he tried something. And some people will say, yeah, but he tried and he failed. But at least he learned something from it. Are you with me? We're not always going to succeed, but we can learn something from it. And if we're willing to learn something from it, then we can grow until we finally get it right. A lot of people just say, well, I don't understand it, so I'm just not going to do it. Well, then you fail. You forfeit. You quit. You're done. Can't never did anything. But somebody can say, well, I don't understand it, but I'm going to give it a try. All right? Let me put it this way in a spiritual light. One individual can come to church with an unbelieving attitude. And they can come and say, what is the use? What is the use of me being here? I don't even want to be here. Right? You can, you can show up and have that attitude. I, I don't even want to be here. This is such stupidity, uh, stupidity for me to be here. They can look at everyone... And just say, oh, I know that person. They're fake. They shouldn't be here. They're fake. That hypocrite, fake. They might listen to the singing and think it's silly. Oh, that's just stupid. That music's stupid. Look at that stupid person up there raising their hands. Look at that person crying. Oh, stupid, crying over Saul. Stupid. Might be their attitude. They might listen to the preacher preach. Why is that preacher yelling at me? All that preacher wants is something from me. He just wants something. That's all he wants. Might be their attitude. And when it's over, they're ready to get out. They don't want to talk to anybody. And they walk away unimpressed. And they walk in, they walk away critical. Why? Because they didn't understand it. They didn't understand it, and they didn't want any part with it. And they showed up. They said, I don't want to learn it. I don't want to understand it. I don't want to know it. This is just the stupidest thing I ever saw. You'll get what you're looking for. Another person may come with an attitude of hope. They might walk in the doors believing that there is something. They don't, they don't know what it is, but they know some people who go to church here and there is something in this place that they need. They may, they may notice they're watching people, and they what they notice is how kind people are. And they notice the smiles on their faces. That's what got me. That's what got me a long time ago. I was watching people's faces, and I said, these people got something I ain't got. Watching their faces. The music, these people, I don't know the God they're worshiping, but I know this, they believe in him. 
when they sing, they're singing with passion. They're singing like, they singing like it means something to them. They hear the preacher's sermon, and they didn't understand everything that was read. They didn't know what that word verily meant. They didn't know who the thou was and the thee was, and they didn't understand it all. But they know this, that there was something in that preacher's sermon that moved them to question their own spiritual standing. And that preacher said something like, that we all must come to Christ by faith because we're all sinners. And we must all come to Christ by faith, believing that Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again the third day. And that old boy may be sitting there and he, he'd admit he can't understand it. He didn't know exactly why Jesus died. He wasn't there, and he can't put it all together, but he knows this. There's something, there's a power within him. There's something inside of him causing him to feel things he ain't never felt before. He's upset, he's stirred up, and he says, I need something else. There's something else that I'm looking for. So the best that he can, he calls upon the name of Jesus to save him. He didn't, under, he didn't understand what it meant to be born again. Hello? He didn't understand what it was about the Holy Spirit or what that preacher was talking about, the rapture of the church or the great white throne judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. He didn't understand all that Bible and all those verses that were mentioned. He just believed and God did the rest and that's where we all need to be. Amen? Our approach to it makes all the difference in the world. Well, some say, I don't believe it. Some say, I, I can't understand it. And so we have, we're left with the question, well, what are we going to do about it then? We can just quit, go home, forget about it. Or, or we can try to learn something, see what God's going to do. But the best place for us all be is to have an attitude of faith by saying, I believe. Faith believes when everything else says not to. And that is the kind of faith that moves mountains. And so how can we develop this kind of faith? Well, for starters, we need to practice the presence of God. Do we believe, Miss Billy, do we believe that God has an interest in our life? You better believe he does. For God so did what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life start right there does god have an interest in my life you better believe he does you better believe that whole uh, that's the whole purpose of jesus christ coming and put on this flesh to die on that cross because of god's love do we believe that he cares about what we're doing that he's interested in every aspect of our life? Absolutely. And so because he cares and because he has an interest and because God sees everything and he's in every place beholding the evil and the good and God has an awareness of those things. God has an interest in, in our life and my life and in your life. We should worship him as if, uh, not as if he is unseen or unknowing and 
a million miles away, we should worship him. The fact that we're standing on holy ground. He's right there. And you're in a place that you're in right now tonight because God has been drawing you to him. Why? Because he, he cares. I, I know many times in my life, one, before I got saved, two, when I was saved and I wasn't right with the Lord, where I could say this, I was not praying, I was not in the Bible, I was not going to church, did not really even uh, have the conviction that I was concerned about it. But now I can go back and look, you know, and I say, man, but for the grace of God, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. God intervened right there. God always knew where I was, and God always knew who I was. And God always knew what was going on, and he cared about me. God was always present. He's still always present. And if I live in light of that, the fact that God is present, well, that will help me develop the kind of faith that God cares. And then, to develop this kind of faith, we need a faith that increases as we practice it. That increases as we practice it. Jesus gave us only one reason faith can move mountains. What is it? One reason. Have what? Faith where? In God. It's the only reason. How can we move mountains, Larry? You got to have faith in God. You just got to believe. Right? Believe. Believe in your heart. Believe in your heart, nothing doubting. Such a faith is drawn from something deeper than just what's in our head. We can have a head faith. Well, I believe it because I'm supposed to believe it. But we're talking about a faith that that, that's deeper than that. That believes God can do the impossible things, the hard things. And that comes from deep within our inward man to the point that it actually becomes who we are. And we become people of great faith. Well, I'll close with this. I remember years ago, I remember a preacher preaching revival, and he was telling about this particular church. And... Uh, I was questioning that. I was wondering, is that real? Is that a real story? Or is that just a preacher talk? And as I was studying for this message tonight, I decided I'm going to get online and see if I can find if that's true. And by golly, I found out that it's true. I have found out. I have checked it. It has actually been checked up. And... And verified. In 1973, Pastor Ray Crawford of Grace Church on the Mount in Netcong, New Jersey, was in a bind with no answer in sight. Construction had just been completed on their new church building on Kingston Mountain. But they had run into a local permit issue that was preventing them from moving into the sanctuary. The finishing of the area around the church was completely up to the local people. There began to be some serious thinking about the parking lot. 
In other words, the contractor took care of the church building, but they were responsible for the parking lot, the grounds, all of that stuff. And there had, been, uh, there had not been some thinking already done, but we had been told by the Roxbury Planning Board that they would not grant permanent occupancy until there was sufficient parking in the area. Say, so can they do that? They do that today, yes. They can shut you down because your parking is not what it's supposed, is, is not what it's supposed to be. It did not have to be blacktop, they said. Gravel would do. It became evident that even with all the field needed in front of the church, we had a problem of far too much dirt. In fact, it was a mountain where a second and third parking lot should be. And the cost of removing this mountain would be prohibitive for the church. But wait, had not the Lord promised that a mountain would be moved by faith? The next Sunday morning, Pastor Crawford took that scripture to heart and he reminded the congregation of Christ's promise. He quotes Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Then he added, If you believe that, then come on Wednesday night to pray with me that God would move this mountain in back of our church. I would love to know how many people showed up. I'd love to know. If you believe that scripture, then you show up and you pray with me this Wednesday night. The next morning, the phone rang. It was a telephone company. They were planning to erect a new building just east of us, and they needed to fill a large swampy area. And so they were calling, asking us if, they, if we could sell them some dirt. Well, the pastor said, of course. And he was sure that our dirt would have the right proportions of clay, sand, and rock for the field they needed. And guess what? It did. In about a month, the phone company had hauled away 40,000 square yards of our dirt, part of that mountain for which they paid the church in 1973 $25,400. They got paid to get that mountain moved. And the company leveled the ground for the required three parking lots and prepared them all for paving. Because the Lord makes good on his promises and he knows where to find the answer we need. Boy, ain't that something? Right? What might God do if we just had the faith to believe he could do it? Might transform our life. You know what, Miss Christy? Transform our life. But we look at that and we say, ah, that's too big for me. I don't believe that. Or can God really do that? I don't, I don't know. I think that's a little far-reaching. Have faith in who? God. He never says have faith in man, does he? Or faith in yourself. Faith in the church. Have faith in God. Ask him. Ask him to do big things. Don't stand in the shadow of that mountain. Whew. Am I talking to you, Ben Darby?
don't live, don't live in the shadow of that mountain without asking God to get that thing out of here once and for all. All right. Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to spend some time in your word this evening. Pray your blessings on it. And I pray tonight that it was a message that helped somebody this evening. Lord, as I, as I started out tonight, there are, all, there are all kinds of people that are going through their life feeling hopeless. Lord, they are, they are dealing with something that is bigger than themselves. And that struggle just weighs on them. It is a burden too heavy for them to carry. And there are people tonight that feel defeated. They, they're constantly reminded of their own weaknesses. They, they want to, but they struggle so hard. And it's so challenging. And Lord, they just have a hard time getting through things or getting over things. And there are some tonight, Lord, that, Father, they just, uh, they just feel powerless. And Lord, they know you're there and they know that you love them. It's not that. It's just they have a hard time believing anything could be good, anything could be better. Lord, people are carrying burdens all the time, and some of them, it, uh, it, it may be a huge mountain that they're living in the shadow of, and it always feels like it's going to fall on them. Some, it may just, it, it might not be as big, but to, but to that individual, it's pretty big. Lord, I pray that you'll help us tonight to just put our trust in you and just believe. And uh, God, can I ask you tonight, can you move somebody's mountain and do it in such a way that we know it was you and uh, that they have to stand up and testify of that and to praise your name so that I'm not here on a Sunday night reading an article that I doubted that was happened in 1973 but it's something that happens in 2023. And it might not be a physical mountain, but it was something that was definitely in their way. And they couldn't do anything about it without your help. So, whatever it is, and whoever's carrying it, I beg you tonight, get it out of the way, that it never shows back up. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Seven fifty.